Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog Podcast time. I, of course, am Brian Olson. And man, my guest today is an international speaker and Instagram growth agency owner and has spoken and engaged people in over 30 countries for the last 15 years. And he's none other than JJ. Now, starting his career as a magician, JJ grew the number one magic YouTube channel in the world with over 50 million views seen in over 150 countries. Now, realizing the art of deception wasn't his true calling, he left his bag of tricks to host TV shows in Asia, run nightclubs. Then he transitioned to the States where he engages, inspires corporations and personal brands about taking their career to the next level. Now, in 2020, after the world was put on hold, he started his own Instagram growth agency where he helps personal brands use the power of Instagram to get influence and attention they need to get people to like them faster, trust them faster, and buy from them faster. JJ, welcome to the One Broken Cock Podcast. Yeah, what's up, Brian? We're here. I'm ready to give your people listening some energy, some enthusiasm, some education, but more importantly, Brian, I want people to leave actually being able to take something I can tell them and use it not from tomorrow, from today. So I'm here to help you. I'm here to be with you. Let's let's rock and roll. I love it, JJ. We're going to pull that proverbial rabbit out of the hat, right? And give them that gift of knowledge. I love it. I love it. Are we still allowed rabbits in LA or is Australia? We can't have rabbits in Australia. It's illegal. I'll tell you, man, PETA, they got angry about that. So Right, right. Of course. <laughs> they, they, get, they do. They get angry about anything. <laughs> you they, know? Get, they get angry about everything, right? That's a whole other topic. But right. I know, JJ, that you know your journey started with magic. Really, what drew you into the world of magic? What got you interested? You know what, man? Like, I, it's weird because, like, when you're a child, as a five year old boy, you ask a lot of, like, maybe Brian, I don't know, like, were you ever interested in, like, a couple of magic tricks or not really when you were young? Oh, yeah. No, I was always uh, enthralled. I was always trying to do the one with the hat with the piece of tape right. and penny in it, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I think I really like most five to seven year old boys, it's just one of those things where they get involved into magic. They learn it because there's something interesting about it. It's sort of like girls in dance, like girls in ballet or girls like with singing or musical theater. You know, I'm not stereotyping, but it sort of tends to be that kind of style where boys tend to learn magic tricks. I was the boy that just practiced it a little bit more than the next boy. So, you know, I really started my career after I played professional football, what we call soccer in Australia, you know, and I had to decide between sport or entertainment, right? And then obviously I pushed, pushed the magic and, and that sort of was the was the first piece of armor, as I say, in, in the the big jungle of life, going through life, trying to figure out what I want to do and where I want to go. That's great. And you went full tilt, I'll tell you that. Who are some of your influences and mentors that guided you along the way? You know, for me, I've always just been fascinated by people that could do a bunch of things. Like I'd always been fascinated by the Will Smiths of the world, the Jamie Foxes of the world. Like anyone that's like, wow, like they are literally pushing the performance level to another level. Like I've, that's why I've always along my journey, like where I'm at now, Brian, today, I don't really feel like I've gone from zero to a hundred in the way of like jump from there to there. I, I, for me, I've always felt like I've been learning new skill sets that I've been adding on as pieces of armor. So like the first piece of armor was maybe the, was the shield, which is me as a magician. And then when I was a TV host, that was like a sword. And then when I was a speaker, that was the helmet. And then me running, working for a nightclub, understanding how to manage, you know, 500 people a night. That was maybe the, the, the metal, whatever you call that metal thing that you put on your chest so people can't stab you. What have you, what is that called? Yeah, the, breast, the breastplate. Breastplate or whatever it is. But 
Like so long. So where I'm at now, it's like I feel like I've been learning all these skill sets and accumulating the skills to be able to go in any different direction to enhance what I've wanted to do. That's great. And you've definitely translated that showmanship. And, you know, I love when magicians, they do misdirection, right? It's look over here right, while I'm right, doing right. something over there. It's, it's really cool. What was the hardest trick for you to master? So I specialize my niche within the niche of magic is pickpocketing. That's right. You heard it. Nice. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by con men. There's something interesting about psychology and persuasion and making people do something they don't want to do, getting people to like, share their information oh my gosh i've never told you this i've never i've never spoken to anyone about this before how long have i known you like that is very there's a very elusive sexy interesting fascinating industry fascinating world and pickpocketing for me was something that i found interesting because it's with a magic bride you know the punchline right so you know that it's going to get a reaction so pickpocketing was like i never knew what was going to happen so learning how to steal a watch of someone's wrist without them noticing is even today, it's like, how do they not know? So to me, that was my claim to fame. Like I was the guy I was going to, I was planning to be like, you know, the number one pickpocket in the world, right? That would have been a great brand, but I just, it wasn't where I wanted to focus on. But to your question, yeah, the pickpocketing was probably the, the watch stealing is, is probably something pretty cool. Nice. No, and I remember watching your videos on YouTube. I loved it. You know, the street magic was awesome. You know, keeping right. people engaged. How, you know, you had such a huge following. It was amazing. It was like a, just this ripple effect. It just grew and grew like crazy overnight. How did your channel take off so fast and become so popular? So I'm, oh, Brian, I'm going to give the Hollywood answer and I'm going to give the entrepreneur answer. Great. <laughs> Hollywood answer is just focus on who you are and how good you are and what you do and people see it. That's all BS. The real answer is three videos a week for seven years straight, constantly listening to the tribe of audience that followed me and obviously constantly, you know, giving them something they haven't seen before and just working that machine on YouTube, like working it, you know? Yeah. I'm going to make this work. What do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to? You know, who do I need to collaborate with? How can I speak to Google directly? Like Google runs the show. How do I, can I find out how the algorithms work? So because that was my platform of how I could, you know, what I was using to promote myself as a, as an artist, as a magician, I just really put as much energy and time into that place. And obviously, you know, 10 years later, the, the numbers don't lie, right? So 57 million views. 500 videos seen in 180 countries. Yeah, no, it's massive. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Now, did you have somebody advising you on this? Yeah, or I, I was did, it all yeah. you? No, no, no. I, 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 never, I never take credit on... I, I think there's a lot of people that have helped me along the journey, but there was one guy and he... I remember sitting with him at Starbucks and he said to me, Jay, there's this new platform, 2009, right? I remember it was April 2009. He's sitting there and, you know, he liked what I did and we connected. He's an entrepreneur. And he was like, hey, there's this new platform called YouTube. You know, a lot of people are putting videos up, but like maybe you should look at doing a video series of teaching people magic tricks because that people love to see that. So I took I took that, I ran with it, you know, and we shot our first video and, and it sort of skyrocketed from there. I just said, well, instead of me doing one video a week, why don't I do three? And then I did like six for a while. Then I was like, I can't keep up with this. And then 
So, you know, I started doing three, then he sort of helped me articulate sort of the back end of how to copyright, how to leverage an email list, you know, how to sell a membership site. So I really got to understand in 2011 and 12, that whole entrepreneurial internet marketing kind of vibe. It's amazing. So there's really an art and a science to this. You really dug in deep and learned the back end to, to your advantage. That's, that's amazing. Now you had this huge following and you had such success. Why walk away and transition from magic to running nightclubs at the time? You know, Brian, throughout my journey and for complete transparency, I wasn't fulfilled, man. You know, I never, I hit, for most people, I hit success for what they could see it. You know, I got offered my own Vegas show. I, at the time when I was sort of not really excited as much as I, I was at 30 million views, you know, I had been traveling or, you know, within Asia and, and America of doing some shows. So I hit the tiers of what an artist could without having to get to that super elite next level. Right. Right. But I wasn't fulfilled, man. I, I wasn't like, I wasn't enough for me. Like it was becoming easy and then I was becoming annoyed because I had to do it to make a paycheck. And that's when I felt that corporate rat race, you yeah. know? And, yeah, and it's interesting when people would talk about the nine to five. Okay, I, I've never like had a corporate job per se, but from what everyone's told me about a corporate job, I felt the same way within my space. Okay, I was still answering to myself, but I was taking on six jobs. I had to do these things I didn't want to do. I had to deal with these people I didn't want to deal with. I had to deal with the hierarchy of like, I can't post this. I can't do this sometimes because this won't get used. So like, I wasn't happy. So when I was living in Asia, a bunny of mine was a magician and he went to Asia and took his brand and became an actor. And he's like, do you want to come over to Vietnam and support my movie? I was like, of course, I'm, you know, I'm your bestie. So I went over there and then I just was still doing the same thing, but I was like, I, I got to look for something else. And then I got an opportunity to, to work in a nightclub and you know there's something egotistical about running your own nightclub as a dude you're like hell yeah you know <laughs> all right club, girls drinks there's something there's something sexy about it that sexiness died after the first two weeks brian let's be wow. honest wow it, it's listen it, it the glamour is between 11 and 1 in the evening 11 p.m and 1 a.m and then everything else is not fun anymore you know i'm sure a lot of people listening have have you know had a probably a little bit of alcohol in their life there's that point where you find this interesting enjoyment and then there's some uh regret after sometimes or should i have done that beforehand so you know i, I was working in this nightclub the playboy in asia and you know i did that and i thought that was going to be what i really wanted to do because it gave me the opportunity to do business it gave me the opportunity to do sales it gave me the opportunity to meet people it gave me the opportunity to run like be a leader but i wasn't happy so to circle back around to what you asked me, I, I just was for a long time and I'm, and I'm still finding it today, but I'm a lot more calmer now. Like I was still struggling to find what I'm meant to do and who I'm meant to, to help along the journey. No, it's amazing. And you know, the, the beauty of it is you learn so much from that experience. So, you know, you weren't happy, but it paid off in your next venture, which is amazing. Now I just have a quick question. How is doing business or like running a business overseas different from here in the States? Culturally, it's more about culturally. So when I lived in Tokyo, I was doing business in Tokyo. So I live, I lived in Tokyo as well. I lived in Singapore. I lived in Vietnam. For example, you have to understand how relationships work. That's really important. In Asia, relationships are a lot more pushed compared to America. Now, I'm not saying American relationships aren't important. 
I'm just saying in Asia, they really want to build a relationship before they do business with you, if that makes sense, right? So in yeah. Tokyo, they will go out to dinner with you for five, six hours. You'll go there at 8 p.m. You'll, you sort of do have to have a few drinks with them. It's a little bit, if you don't drink, it's very hard to do business with a Japanese person, right? <laughs> so you could have a couple of beers. So throughout a four or five hour meeting with a Japanese client, you might speak for 10 or 15 minutes about business. Now you might be thinking at home, well, what do you talk about otherwise? They want to get to know you. They want to know your family. What drives you? What's some interesting things about your life? They want to understand what makes you come alive. And I really like that. So learning how to culturally deal with me not being one of them, right? And me having to play to their rules and the way they do business. Sometimes it's not quick. America, it's quick. I don't mind that. It can be, it's a lot faster here in the States than it would be in Vietnam. But there's also the opposites as well. You know, so Vietnam, they're very much big on relationships where American people, they can jump around sometimes. You know what I mean? They're always looking for a better deal. You know, loyalty is a lot more powerful in Asia than it would be in, in America that I found. It's amazing. So rapport and connection means so much over right. there. And then, of course, you have to be adaptable and you had to adapt your style to come over here in the States. So when was that moment where you knew you wanted to shift your focus from the nightclub to start your own Instagram growth agency? So throughout this time, Brian, I've always been pushing my own social media because I found that's the best way to obviously promote who I am. So the website and at the time, Facebook, right? I never really dabbled too much into LinkedIn, right? Because I was trying to get away from the corporate. I was trying to get away from the, that world. But then in, you know, I came to America in 2017. I didn't know what I wanted. I left. I came back in 2019. You know, I've obviously got my visa here. And then I was speaking for events and companies. And throughout that experience, I was, people would always see the success of what they see online, right? And they got fascinated by it and asked me questions. And I started taking clients and helping them implement what I've done for my brand. I'm like, well, if I can do it for me, maybe I can do it for them. And I wanted to purposely do it for people opposite than me. So not young, energetic Australian guys who's a speaker. Could I do it with a lady that's got a uh, a pottery business in Minneapolis, Minnesota, right? So I purposely went out and worked for free to see if what I could teach would actually work, right? And it did. So I did that and I was like, okay, cool. And then obviously I didn't really want to focus on that because I don't want to be an agency. I know that's not really what I want to do. Obviously the pandemic happened and then anything that I could do speaking wise got cut. And then I really just ramp that up again and, and go, okay, what does everyone need right now, Brian? Everyone needs attention. Everyone needs to be seen. You know, Brian, as you know, in marketing, it's not the best product, man. It's not the best talent. It's not the best thing said. It's the best marketed. You know, it's the it's best true. one seen. So if you can be seen, if you more eyeballs can be seen towards you, right, you have more of a chance to be doing business with someone. So I took that concept and I tried to do it in a way where everybody needs to do. They, everyone needs to be on social. Everyone needs to be using it. Now, I'm not saying you can't. There's plenty of billionaires, I'm sure, that don't have an Instagram account. But there's a lot of people that use it and don't know how to use it. And I just thought, well, I've had the success from it. I can talk about it. And I, don't have to I don't have people to go to me, well, show me what you've done. Like, prove it to me. I've already got the proof on paper. So I wanted to leverage that. And now I've, I've started a PR and, and sort of digital agency focusing on Instagram. That's awesome. 
what are some of the goals of your clients for Instagram marketing? Is it more brand awareness? Is it lead gen or you know direct sales, signups? What's the, the most common denominator with them? Well, it's like two answers again. The Hollywood answer is, yeah, I want to be seen. The re- reality is they, they want income, right? They want cash flow. But the most important thing is educating to them, like I'm talking to you now, of like how to leverage your influence, how to build that authority so you can go into different ways. And I always told this to clients that I work with, yes, uh, Jay, I want to get an ROI straight away. Well, I'm like, well, hang on a second, man. Let me ask you this, right? How much do you think you're losing out right now because someone else has better authority or better presence from what they see online? Like clients have so many choices now. We all have choices, right, Brian? Well, right. this is this, but you know what? Like I can, I might just do my own research, you know? And at the end of the day, if someone's got better authority or better influence online, a lot of people are going to be more likely to give that person more attention. And if you know how to keep their attention, put them through a funnel or get them on a sales call and close them, you're going to be more likely to get that deal. So a lot of the clients, they want obviously cash flow and, and obviously sales. But I tell them like, first thing we need to do is get people to see you as an expert, see, see you as authority, give you that trust because people are so, their, their walls are up. You know, Brian, you know this when you bought stuff online. Everyone's walls are up now. Everyone's like, yeah. you know, people aren't as easily, they're not as gullible, I think, anymore. I think people are a little bit more just well-adversed into the online space because we've been, I've been screwed over before. I'm sure you have, Brian. You bought something like that was, it. that was, I just got tricked, you know? So understanding and explaining to the clients that I work with, hey, like, what can we do once I grow your influence? And a lot of my clients I work with aren't really just looking for sales. They're actually looking to leave a legacy. Hey, if I could help you, would you would be interested in speaking? Oh, I've always wanted to speak on TEDx. I've always wanted to create a book. I've always wanted to get my company to have this behind it. So I'm like, I help them sort of articulate the bigger message rather than the instant sale. That's amazing. I love it. Now, what do you think are some realistic baseline results people can expect from Instagram? Because I know a lot of people have very unrealistic expectations. I think the first thing people have to understand is numbers don't mean sales. So I get clients sometimes, well, you know, if I just get 100,000 followers, I'll make $10 million. I'm like, who's telling you that number? You know, oh, well, I heard that if you have this on an email list, I'm like, okay, first thing I've got to do is break that stereotype, right? First thing we need to do is have a clear understanding of what your expectations are, right? Of, of what you think is going to happen, right? And it's and it's more so going back to that point before, Brian, of like sharing with people, hey, like, what do you think happens when people are coming to your page at the moment? Like, do you think they're like looking at your content and looking at what they see? Do you think there's trust there? Do you think there's authority there? So it's like sometimes coming back to the root of like, hey, what are they really trying to do? And how can I share with my services? How can we get you the followers? How can we get you the engagement, right? Can those things help you get to the end goal? Does that make sense? No, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Somebody recently invited me to a, a clubhouse. I don't know if you've heard of clubhouse, but it's, it reminded me of, there's this place out here in LA called the Magic Castle. You know, they film a lot of movies out here, but you can only get in if you have an invite from somebody. And clubhouse is the same thing. It's the hottest marketing platform today, but you have to have an invite to be a part of it. Right. So they're pushing this exclusivity angle. What are your thoughts on Clubhouse? So I love Clubhouse. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I am biased. I think a lot of people are biased too. So my 
honest thoughts on Clubhouse is this. I think it's the greatest way to connect with quality people at the moment, right? Like, Brian, I, I don't need to, at the moment, like, I don't need the LinkedIn marketing strategy anymore, do I? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, the guy, the guy that I was going to work with, I really like him, but I, I told him four days ago, I said, listen, I'm putting you on hold for two months. He's like, why? I said, because I'm getting exactly the clients I want on Clubhouse and I build immediate authority because they can see me speak in a room. You know, it's like a conference. So it's like if I go to a conference and speak in front of five people or some of the groups I speak in front of is like 100 people, you immediately get authority. People are immediately wanting to do stuff with you. And obviously in my position in an in a, in a industry, there's a need. Oh, man, we all need, I need PI. I need, I need people to see my work. It's really working well for me, Brian. So coming from a speaker point of view, I, I the way I'm looking at it is like, I've got access to a conference that if I'm clever, I can get on as many stages as possible and just get clients and get in and, and also help too. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm here to support. I want to learn. So I'm learning while I can be doing my work at the same time. Sometimes it's in the background and I can also jump up two or three times a day, do my two or three minutes. And then, you know, I'll get five to 10 people giving me some kind of interest into my work. Like how do you, where is a better platform than that at the moment? Now, as far as social media, I know it's very big. You know, advertising on social media is very, very popular. It's a low right. cost, high yield. Are there certain businesses that wouldn't have an advantage being on social media, or do you think every company should have a social media presence? What's the advantage of having that? Yeah, great question. You know, I deal with this a lot with my sales guys that work with me. We did a call recently, you know, like a role playing call and dealing with clients who just don't they they don't understand it enough to see ROI if that makes sense so we get clients that you know or get some people interested they go well you know i think i should have it but at the end of the day is it going to make me money and my opinion to that is well listen it's a free platform to use right it doesn't take you long to set up right it doesn't hurt to have it it gives you some kind of social awareness right and if it's free to use and it's not hard to set up, right? Why wouldn't you have it? Like the companies that I obviously work with should all have it. But then, you know, Brian, there are some companies that never use social media and they never needed it and they don't see its importance. So I think it comes down to like from a client's point of view or anyone listening right now, like are you going to be able to use it and leverage it to your advantage? Because as you know, Brian, in the marketing space, there's a lot of different platforms to use. Social media is just one element, you know? I have a guy, a client of mine that just recently worked with me, but he was doing direct mail until this year. And he finally decided to do it because he wanted a break, but he was killing it with direct mail. No social media at all. You know, he was in real estate. So it just depends on the strategy you want to do to get eyeballs. No, it's great. What do you think about, does it hurt a brand or a business if they don't have a big following? Let's say they have a social media presence, right. but they don't have a lot of followers. They don't get a lot of likes, but the content is fantastic. Is that moot? Meaning that if they don't have the following and they don't have the likes and the popularity, it hurts them? What do you think? No, I don't think it does. Uh, you know, another great question. I don't think it does. I think if they've got great content and it's there, like once again, it just shows you're around. Like it just shows you're there. Okay, cool. It gives me gives us some more information of who you are and what you do. You know, it, it really once again comes down to that thing. Like, do you really want to leverage your social media to get 
clients and obviously build awareness of who you are. And if you do, then there is a strategy for that. But if you don't really see the value of it, if you don't really, if it doesn't generate, excuse me, if it doesn't generate you the the return, you know, then then maybe it's not needed. You know, I, I try and when I, you know, I'd love to sign every client, but I, I'm trying where I'm at now, Brian, with my businesses, I'm trying to figure out, hey, like, where are you at? Where do you want to go? What's the bigger goal here? What are you, your current marketing channels? What are you doing? Where can you give me time at the moment? You know, what have you done before? So if a client is not really in the space to be creating a lot of content or, or working it on that platform, I think it's a waste sometimes. Like have it, do it, but don't get stressed about it if it's, you know, we don't have the millions of followers. It's not, it's not the method for you. You know? I love it. I love it. Now, JJ, before we wrap up, just uh, yeah. what do you think is the first step and some advice you would give a business or a person in gaining a, a following on social? What's that crucial first step to start the process? Yeah. Like anything, Brian, commit. You need to commit, guys. Like you need to literally go, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this work. And the second thing you want to do, guys, too, is remember, people ask me this just to give it a little, give you an extra move. Do I put my brand up or do I put me up? People will always gravitate towards people before than they will a logo, a product, a you know, an e-commerce brand. Like if you can try to put up content and start to build that personal brand of you, even if you're a company, even if you have some kind of personality behind it, doesn't have to be you, but have something that people can relate, something that people can connect with, you know, because people love that. They gravitate towards that. So like I tell people, like, put out some kind of content. The content you can put out, this is the number one tangible strategy you can take from today, everybody listening. The three types of piece of content that is very popular that will get you traction. One, education of the market. You're supposed to be an expert. So talk about your industry. Let's use an example, real estate. Give me an understanding of when's, when's the best time to buy a home. You know, think stupid. Like, think of the people that, don't know anything about real estate. Start there so you don't have to complicate your ideas. Two, results. Brian and I can talk about us all day, but there's nothing better than Brian talking well about me and myself talking well about Brian. So, so get a, a screenshot or get a, you know, a testimonial. And the third thing, personal brand. People want to know that you're just not like this perfect you know, person that doesn't fault. So have a photo of you and your wife traveling to Barcelona. Talk about a story that you nearly got pickpocketed, you know, or, hey, the time when you, you know, were riding a bike or when you were younger and you fell over. But having a story, people want to get involved in your brand. So personal brand story, education on the market, you're an expert, and result. You do that a couple of times a week. You do that over a month and you'll see traction. I love it. JJ, it's been awesome. Very last question. Just a personal question, just to get to know you just a little bit better. So you're going to be an island for the rest of your life. You can only bring one book, one movie, and one album. What would they be? I want to bring one book. The book I'm going to bring is I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring Richard Branson's Think Big, Play Big. I think that's what the book is called. Nice. But, yeah. Uh, the the movie, right? Is that is that the next question? You got it. The movie, I would probably bring. The first thing that popped into mind was the Truman Show. I don't know why. <laughs> <The> <laughs> I Truman thought you were going to say this Prestige, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. The the Truman Show because 
the prestige is going to get bored. I got to think if I'm only going to watch a movie for the rest of my life, I got to go to many different ideas. The Truman Show can get you into a, a state of maybe this isn't real. And the person that I would probably be with, you know, someone, someone like, someone like, you know, probably like Jamie Foxx. I like Jamie Foxx, the actor. He can do a lot of different things. He has a lot of different stories, you know, someone that's got a lot of, that would keep me interested, you know, that wouldn't get what, bored pretty quick. What about the album? What music are you Oh, into? the album. Sorry. The album I would do, you know what? I'm going to go old school to keep myself calm. Beethoven. Beethoven's classics. I feel like that would just keep me at least in check. Love it. JJ has been fantastic. How can people connect to you, learn more about the agency and utilize your services? Yeah, guys, anyone listening right now, and if you're listening to this on Brian's podcast, I want you to reach out to me personally at my Instagram. It's the best way to connect with me, which is at JJ Live, J-A-Y-J-A-Y-L-I-V-E. Send me a DM, say, hey, Jay, I saw you on Brian's podcast, and I'm more than happy to give you something for free because I noticed that you reached out. But yeah, if you want attention and influence, if you want a, a PR campaign, if you want some strategy on how to sort of articulate your brand in, in 2021 and years to come, send me a DM personally and, and I'll help you out. JJ, appreciate everything. It's been fantastic. Keep up the good work out there. And hey, listen, man, we're in both in LA. Let's go on a taco tour together. We'll make it happen. I'm, I'm in any time. <laughs> right, JJ, have a great rest of the day and uh, let's keep in touch. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.